Welcome to Smug Buds, the podcast where we explain everything to the geese. My name is Will, and I'm joined as always by my friend and co-host, Elizabeth Deanna Morris-Lakes. Hi, Liz. Hi, Will. How are you today? I'm good. I We are both uh, wearing our pajamas, despite the discrepancy in the time of day between the two of us. We're feeling very cuddly and snuggly. It's uh, the mid-morning for me and the early afternoon for you. Yes, I am in. I'm on the East Coast in Maryland, in the DC metro area. Yeah, and we didn't talk about that last time. We in our first episode we spoke a little bit about how we knew each other in our history, but not so much where we are right now. And we never even addressed the fact that we're talking on Skype. Uh, anyone who listened to the podcast probably could guess that we're not occupying the same space at the same time. But it bears mentioning that uh, you're out there uh, and I'm here in Tucson, Arizona. In the desert. Yeah. So I don't have a... I've never visited you there, but you've visited mm-hmm. me here. So I, I'm also very bad when it comes to geography. So... <laughs> Can you give me a clearer sense of, like, how how close is D.C. to you? Like, how – where are how, you in relation to D.C.? Where am I? So I live in Gaithersburg, which is, um like, at the end of the red line. So the red mm. line being there's the metro, okay. and the furthest out red line stop is Shady Grove, and that's my stop. And Got so it. it's like to get to this the center, like to get to the mall, my mm-hmm. husband and my child and my mother-in-law are all in D.C. today. Right. And it t- took them like 45 minutes on the metro to get there. Mm-hmm. It's like th- I think it's actually 30 minutes to drive. But, uh, you know, the city was designed uh, to confuse ground troops. So it uh, takes mm-hmm. longer than what it should <laughs> Right. <laughs> I'd like to learn more about that. That's interesting how you put that. La Enfant of La Enfant Plaza, another metro stop. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> so you must have had some thoughts or feelings when the news came out recently. And I say recently because we're recording this uh, right after Thanksgiving, probably a couple of months before anyone is hearing it. Uh, the news broke about Amazon HQ2 yeah, being split so, between New York and D.C. Yeah, so it's going to be in Arlington, Virginia, which is still like, it's not where I, it's not exactly where I live. Yeah. Um, it would be like, because traffic is so bad, it would be like maybe an hour commute. Okay. Um, but like, well, you know, if you were driving during rush hour, if I'm driving at, you know, two in the afternoon, it might only take me 30 minutes. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, when people are saying like, Oh no, it's like the housing prices are going to go up. The reason that's so terrible is because everything is expensive already. Yeah. <laughs> like, have I explained to you how much a house costs here? We've talked about that, yeah. Your because... your house that you rent right now, right. renting it here yes. would be over $2,000 a month. Right. And owning it would be, it's two bedrooms, right? Uh, Yes. 
I'm in probably probably i mean yeah i think that your house is sort of small and so i would say that it's probably you know a standard half million dollars here Oof. oh yeah uh-huh. and for point of comparison uh here in tucson uh we rent this house me and my girlfriend and uh monthly the rent is about 850 dollars oh that makes me want to die <laughs> that's with water but not the other utilities. Our no, granted, we have a three-bedroom apartment. Our three-bedroom apartment is nineteen hundred dollars a month. Mm-hmm. And you and how close are you to uh, home? Home where you grew up? Two two hours, pretty right. flat. Two, two hours. It's about from, two hours from here to Harrisburg. From Gaithersburg to Harrisburg. Yeah. One berg to another. One berg to another. Both yeah. G's, no H's though. Not like no Pittsburgh. H's on the end of that berg. Oh, right. Yes. I, yeah, there's two ways to spell berg. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I grew up in uh, New York City, and now uh, here I am in the American Southwest. Uh, who would have guessed? I, I also want to say, too, that people were saying that, like, you know, New York is one of the few places that it's more expensive than here. Um, the mm-hmm. other places being places in, in the United States, the other places being, um, like San Francisco and LA basically. Right, right. Um, and I think, I think it was on SNL. They made a joke that like, uh, Amazon couldn't even afford Manhattan. So like. Oh, right. Because it's Queens, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't read too much on it and I have not seen, uh, SNL. Uh, nor will I, uh, not anytime soon, uh, not in the recent past. I, uh, grew up in Queens though. So I am aware that, uh, Queens was the, uh, pick of the Mm -hmm. five boroughs. So, uh, that should be, uh, interesting. I wonder how it will impact the, uh, lives of my retired parents who still live there. Dude, I think you're going to have a pretty good inheritance, Mr. Single Child. Mm. Oh, that's true. I am an only <laughs> child. Uh, we shall see. So now that we're all caught up on where we are geographically and why we're communicating the way we are. Yep. And emotionally, you know, because what else decides our emotions but the whims of the most gigantic corporations in the world? Uh, Liz, would you do me the honor of telling the audience what you think I am going to be talking about today? So today we're going to be talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's exactly right. And I, just just to give you an idea, I have seen a lot of these movies. I have I was, not seen all, all of these movies. I was I, going to ask. I Go couldn't ahead. tell you which of these movies I have and have not seen. I certainly mm-hmm. have not seen them more than once. I have mostly mm-hmm. seen them in theaters. Okay. A- and uh, it feels like it feels like a large topic. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I've decided to pick large topics uh, to start that might turn out to be naive, but I'm hoping. Uh, you know, worst case scenario, I pick a topic and I can hardly fill any time about it. Mm-hmm. And I would be embarrassed. So I would rather <laughs> go the other way. Whereas I know I can talk about my new chef for 
eternities. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I could too, but I would probably get self-conscious about being boring, uh, which is going to happen anyway. Uh, mm -hmm. I am going to feel very boring talking about this topic because me liking superhero movies is basic and boring. Hmm. I am straight, I'm cis, I'm white, I'm male, I'm basically privileged. You're tall? Oh, I'm tall, yes. I'm from New York City. Uh, I'm able-bodied, and uh, I'm basically privileged, personified, and so I am in, I, I am the definition of the core audience for these movies. I'm also uh, in my late 20s. And so, you know, these movies, they're all PG-13. So maybe I'm a little older than the core audience, but I'm I'm in the demographic, certainly. So for me to like these movies is like, I don't know, Oliver liking the gruel that they feed him at the orphanage. It's, it's like, okay, <laughs> it was designed for you by overlords of some kind. So mm -hmm. does not make me feel special, but we're going to talk about it anyway. So... Uh, you answered my first question. I wanted to get a baseline on your knowledge of this topic. Uh, my second question is, and I apologize if this sounds like I'm quizzing you or putting you on the spot, but to get a baseline, mm -hmm. how many of these movies do you think exist at this point in time? I feel like I saw a chart of this recently, and mm -hmm. that's when I became overwhelmed <laughs> Uh -huh. Um, because I feel like I've seen six or seven of yeah. these. Yeah. Um, and I think 14 was the number I saw. Okay. Good guess. Uh, there are 20. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> uh, Marvel Studios has been putting out these movies, uh, for the past 10 years. Uh, it started in 2008. We're recording this in late 2018. So I think that this is a worthy moment for taking a look back <laughs> at the first 10 years, as they are calling it, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, now, you might think that there are even more of these movies because, of mm -hmm. course, superhero movies are coming out all the time, maybe five or six per year. Mm -hmm. And to a novice or someone who doesn't care, someone who's not paying attention, you might think that any of them are Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. In fact, uh, last spring, at about the time that Infinity War, uh, the third Avengers movie, was coming out, I was surfing the net and I <laughs> stumbled upon a uh, clickbait listicle. And the headline was, all 50 Marvel movies ranked. And I was like, okay. That's more than 20. <laughs> right. I was like, okay, you got my attention. What are you talking about? Because I know for a fact that there are exactly, at that point, 19 of these movies. So I clicked it. And sure enough, uh, they were reporting accurately because they didn't say, Marvel Cinematic Universe movies ranked. They said Marvel movies. Mm. And what they meant by that was movies based on Marvel comic books. Mm -hmm. And at the time, there were 50 of those. Some examples of movies that are based on Marvel comic books, but 
They fall outside the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Can I guess? Please do. Yes. Is the Ed Norton Hulk outside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Ooh, you're so close. But that, (laughs) that is the second movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. And then they replaced him with Mark Ruffalo. See, I know some things. That's true. Yes. Edward Norton and Mark Ruffalo are playing the same Bruce Banner. Mm-hmm. because they're both in the continuity of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, had you said Hulk, directed by Ang Lee, ah. you would have been correct. And I believe, I haven't seen it, but I believe Eric Bana played uh, Bruce Banner in that movie. Do you have any other guesses before I get into it? I have none. <laughs> okay. All the X-Men movies. Oh, Okay. That includes, of course, the Wolverine movies and mm-hmm. the Deadpool movies. Mm-hmm. Also, all of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. Oh. And both Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm. All of the Fantastic Four movies. Uh, most recently, Venom. Mm-hmm. All the Punisher movies, both Ghost Rider movies, all the Blade movies. The Daredevil movie with Ben Affleck, the Elektra movie with Jennifer Garner, and who could forget Howard the Duck. (laughs) Okay, so also, out of these 50 movies, because some of these movies you're saying came out when I was in middle school. Yeah. um, I have seen, I have, I wish, I'm sure that BuzzFeed has some list of like, I can click check boxes and it'll count them for me. Mm Mm-hmm. But I have seen a lot of these, more than I realized, in terms of the whole Marvel right. list. Yes. The, uh, I, I don't, we should come up with a, a term for that. The, the non-MCU, the, the um, Marvel Expanded Universe, the... Greater Marvel Universe. Sure. The GMU. Yeah, yes. Isn't that where you went to school or something? Yes, that yeah, is also okay. where I went to grad school. Yeah, all right. Well... <laughs> Maybe not that. (laughs) (laughs) We don't want to create more confusion. So, what makes something a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie as opposed to just a Marvel movie? And the answer, well, you can frame it in one of two ways. One is, as the phrase Cinematic Universe implies... All the MCU movies are in the same continuity. Mm, they all mm-hmm. share the same universe. The characters can cross over and interact with one another. What happens in one movie will have consequences in all the other movies, even ones that aren't direct sequels. The other way to frame it is it's a legal issue. It's about rights. It's about mm-hmm. who has the film rights to the characters. There was a time... If you can imagine it, not so long ago, uh, kind of before we were in middle school, I guess, or elementary school, and before we were born, (laughs) when uh, superhero movies as blockbusters were just a glimmer in the eye of uh, geeks and nerds and comic book readers, and uh, they didn't seem like a viable prospect for making billions of dollars so marvel entertainment sold the film rights to some of its characters to studios and corporations who 
made movies, Mm -hmm. which they didn't do at the time. So all of the X-Men characters went to 20th Century Fox. Mm -hmm. And Spider-Man went to Sony. Those are the really significant ones. And it was those two that sort of kicked off the superhero movie phenomenon when you and I were in middle school around, you know, the turn of the millennium. Mm -hmm. uh, We started getting X-Men movies and Spider-Man movies uh, from Fox and from Sony. So it wasn't until 2008 when uh, I was graduating high school and moving on to college where we would meet that uh, Marvel Studios started making their own movies, Mm -hmm. starting with, of course, Iron Man. Just for perspective in terms of what a watershed moment this was uh, for someone like me who is interested in this type of media, 2008 was also the year that we saw the film The Dark Knight. Oh, yes. I saw that. I saw that in Pittsburgh after my boyfriend had broken up with me. So he's my Mm ex-boyfriend with the only one night stand I've ever had. You saw the movie with the one night stand? Yeah, the the, person. uh, With the person. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was not at the movie that I had the one night stand. Uh Okay. (laughs) No judgment here. (laughs) <laughs> this is a safe space yeah it was a it was a big year right to get mm-hmm. iron man and the dark knight in the same year like when does that ever happen i mean obviously every year now we get tons of superhero yeah. movies but has there been a year since 2008 that two movies like that so that loom so large in the public consciousness and just shaped, you know, how these two mega studios would make films, you know, for 10 years and beyond there on out. Huge. I mean, immeasurable. Wow. Mm -hmm. How can you? Well, and also with Dark Knight, we Mm -hmm. shall not forget, uh, had Heath Ledger in it who had died. Right. And so I remember being uh, at college as Mm -hmm. a freshman Right. At the fair for all of the clubs, and mm-hmm. our friend—well, he's my friend. I don't know if he's your friend, Dylan. Uh, Dylan Roth. Mm-hmm. Hi, Dylan. Hi, Dylan. Was in the uh, lobby and uh, hawking some club, and multiple people came up to him when I was standing there and said, asked two questions, which were basically, after Heath Ledger died, mm-hmm. how are you doing? And did they finish filming The Dark Knight? <laughs> Oh, right. Yeah, because this would have been uh, 2007. Yes, and the answers were bad and yes. Yeah, exactly. And uh, afterwards, of course, uh, posthumously, uh, Heath Ledger would be uh, nominated and win the Best Supporting Actor for playing the Joker, which Mm -hmm. would that have happened had he lived? Probably not. Me might not even been nominated, but who cares? Yeah. It was a moment. So, uh, I want to back up a few steps uh, to talk about comic books a little bit. Uh, because uh, 
Well, I want to acknowledge them. I mean, to me, these movies, the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, they are their own thing. Uh, I don't need to enjoy comic books in order to enjoy these movies. No one does. But uh, I want to take a moment to acknowledge the source material and Mm -hmm. uh, talk about uh, my relationship with that. Oh, yes. So... Basically, I did not grow up reading a lot of comic books. My knowledge of the characters from comic books mostly came from video games. Mm. And my cousin who read comic books and, to a lesser extent, uh, cartoons on TV. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't watch uh, a lot of those cartoons, but I got some information here and there. But uh, I remember learning who a lot of people were in the Marvel universe by playing games like uh, X-Men Legends Mm -hmm. and uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance on the Xbox uh, with my older cousin who uh, grew up reading a lot of comic books and uh, imparted a lot of uh, that information to me. Um, I didn't start buying any comic books myself until uh, probably around the time that I was starting high school. Uh, I learned that there was a new X-Men series hitting the shelves. And I was interested in it because it was written by Joss Whedon. Ah, now, so you liked Joss Whedon even then. Yes, I first saw Buffy the Vampire Slayer when I was maybe 11 or 12. Oh, wow. A babe. Yes, I was immediately smitten. Mm -hmm. And I became just Buffy and Angel and Firefly became my favorite thing in the universe, just absorbing them on DVDs, mostly. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think Angel was still on at the time, but doesn't matter. So when I read Joss Whedon is writing a comic book, I was like, okay, I'll go to the comic book store for that. I'll start reading that. It was called Astonishing X-Men, by the way. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, Cyclops and Kitty Pryde and uh, Emma Frost. And uh, he brought Colossus back from the dead. And others. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So being in the comic book store, it's hard to resist buying more comics. So Mm -hmm. I started picking up not so much mainline series, but spinoff series. Like uh, Gambit would have his own comic book and Nightcrawler would have one. And I was seeing like, oh, some of my favorite characters from seeing the movies and seeing and playing these video games. Oh, they got their own side books. So I started picking those up. And the one other really remarkable series that I started reading at this time, and you'll notice if you have any background knowledge of these things that I'm talking strictly all about Marvel books. I didn't Mm -hmm. pick up any DC books. I just wasn't interested. Um, I guess they didn't have any good video games at the time that I yeah. was aware of. So no good, none of those great Batman games yet. 
Right. Yeah. Arkham Asylum. That was still years away. Yeah. So uh, the other remarkable series that I picked up was a, a Marvel book called Runaways written by Brian K. Vaughn. Uh, and that launched me into a whole uh, diversion into that was the first Brian K. Vaughn book that I ever read, but certainly not the last. And so that was something of an entryway into uh, more indie comics, more non-Marvel comics, because uh, Brian K. Vaughn mostly wrote comics not for Marvel, but for Image and other sources. So that's the kind of foreknowledge that I was coming into the MCU with when it started in 2008. Was I particularly excited about an iron man movie no not really Mm because i had never really read an avengers comic book or an iron man comic book like i had i had seen iron man and the avengers in marvel ultimate alliance but i was more interested in x-men and spider-man and iron man seemed like a more secondary character that they were trying to put under the spotlight mm-hmm. so uh did you see iron man in the theater no i don't think so have you I seen it I since s- i have seen it since mm-hmm. and i've definitely seen the second one is when scarlett johansson shows up right that is correct. as black widow that's correct. yeah i've definitely seen that one because kenny mm-hmm. and i watched that one uh on his not in theaters but in his bed uh when we were applying to grad school and mm-hmm. any time Scarlett Johansson showed up, he would say, shh, Liz, shh, Scarlett Johansson is on the screen. <laughs> so that's how I remember that movie. <laughs> yeah. Good memories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't, yeah, I, I usually keep that to myself. <laughs> well, you know, he, he does this with Scarlett Johansson and then I'll mm-hmm. say, you know, I'll see, you know, a Kate Winslet type or a Kate Blanchett type mm-hmm. and say, oh, my God, that woman is so beautiful. And yeah. Kenny will say, no, you're only supposed to love me. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah. I actually feel I, that's just the type of joke that I have learned. Like, it's not worth the risk. Like, <laughs> it might start a fight. And it's not going to make anyone laugh. So <laughs> why make that kind of joke? Um, or, you know, sincere statement disguised as a joke or, you know, some of both or whatever. Um, and I, I actually feel, you know, you brought up saying that about Kate Blanchett, et cetera. I actually that I relate to that because I actually feel more comfortable uh, with my partner or with my friends saying of the men I'd oh yeah, who I find uh-huh. attractive rather rather than the women because what yeah what's there to be jealous of I guess yeah well Kenny has a lot to be jealous of for right. me because yeah. I'm pansexual right <laughs> though I will say he does seem I feel like less concerned about me saying Camp Kate Blanchett is maybe one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen in my life um, as compared to um, that beautiful man whose name I can't remember. Who's Venom? Who plays Venom? Tom Hardy. 
Tom Hardy. Oh, my God. Yes. I am not normally into a hunky man like that, but mm-hmm. oh, when he has that British accent, I just... It's too much, Will. It's too well, much. Well, that I that must be a difficult crush to have because Tom Hardy is notorious for taking roles where his face is covered up. Yeah. Yeah, it took me a while to figure it out, actually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I will say... The first time I, I say, ever saw him in anything, he was Bane in The Dark Knight Rises. and That was the first time I saw him in... Yeah. Oh, wait. Did The Dark Knight Rises come out before or after Inception? Um... Uh... It was dark. Oh shoot! Maybe maybe Inception was before that. Yeah. I'm, oh I'm, hey, this is the first time that our listeners are like, I know yeah, the answer. Right, yeah, they're stomping <laughs> their feet. They're clenching their fists. Yeah. Regardless, I that it was around then that I was like, wait, this beautiful man from Inception is also mm-hmm. Bane. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I think you're right because there was a real like one for them, one for me formula to what christopher nolan was doing in those years mm-hmm. so i believe it went batman begins and then maybe two years later the prestige and then oh my God. a couple years later the dark knight and then a couple years later inception mm-hmm. and then a couple years later the dark knight rises and then he that was, makes sense and then he was free to i guess after that was interstellar yes yes but yes i have seen the first iron man movie to answer your question mm-hmm. yeah oh right yeah so um <laughs> I saw that movie in the theater. I saw it with uh, my cousin and uh, several of his friends because mm-hmm. uh, I had friends very cool. of my own at the time. But Of course you did. Uh, it was uh, probably between high school and college or – yeah, it must have been, yeah. And uh, I, I had friends, but they mostly uh, didn't live in my neighborhood. They lived mm-hmm. in other boroughs of New York City or uh, other states even. So um, uh, in my own neighborhood, I mostly hung out with my cousin and his friends. And we saw this movie in the theater and the theater was packed. It was crowded. It was full. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody wanted to see this movie, which I didn't completely get at the time. Because like I said, Iron Man was like no one to me. And so was Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. was basically no one to me. Uh, and... Uh, so we had to sit um, probably in like the worst seats in the theater. I think we were in the front row and not in the center. So we got that kind of, you know, looking at someone's knuckle in the corner sort of view of the movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, we loved it despite that. That couldn't ruin it. Uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s charm was just absolutely magnetic. And what an interesting contrast to the dark knight because i I think iron man was maybe the first one of these superhero movies to be completely carried by the lead actor yeah and his charms Mm -hmm. there's there's no i mean jeff bridges is in the movie but it's kind of forgettable that he's in the movie I forgot. Yeah, he's the villain. He's the villain in that movie. Oh. And yep. that and that gets into like uh, the problem with a lot of these movies is that the villains are really forgettable. Mhm. And sometimes there's a good excuse for that like they are busy prioritizing the origin story of the hero, so the villain has to take a backseat to that. 
But sometimes they don't even have that excuse. But they did this time. It was an origin story for Iron Man. We get to see him go from Playboy, Tony Stark, to someone who realizes that his uh, company is a force for evil in the world. And so he redirects all his resources and uh, becomes Iron Man. And prior to that, uh, you know, X-Men movies, they were a real ensemble. Uh, Mm -hmm. Spider-Man movies, you had Tobey Maguire and, you know, the superheroes, like, in, when they're in costume and they're using their superpowers, they are larger than life. Mm-hmm. But Robert Downey Jr. was larger than life just as Tony Stark because he was so funny and talking so fast. And you just, I mean, unless you hate smug characters, you're, you know, instantly like infatuated with him. And the Iron Man movie also gave us something kind of special in that superhero movies, uh, superheroes with, co- the, the X-Men didn't have this problem because the, the X-Men by and large don't wear masks, mm-hmm. but most superheroes have costumes. They wear masks in the case yeah. of Spider-Man, the mask is covering their entire face. And so you have the problem of, okay, when they're in costume, are they really doing any acting? You can't see their facial expressions. Iron there's a Man. bunch of there's a bunch of physical actors right now that are like, of course they are. They must oh, use their oh, whole body. Yes, <laughs> but to the audience, there could be anyone in there. You exactly, know, it could yes. be just a stunt double doing a performance. You mm-hmm. can't see their facial expressions or CGI with Spider Man. Right, the new Spider Man. Yeah, because of you know webs. Right, and the city alleys and the and the way that the eyes move on his mask. Uh, in Iron Man, the, uh, Iron Man gave us the uh, camera point of view inside his mask mm-hmm. so that there were some shots where you would it, it was just an extremely tight close up on his face sort of lit by computer screens in a dark <gasps> void. I actually have a story about this. Oh, please. Uh, our friend Mike Jones mm-hmm. um, worked briefly on movies. Yeah. Uh, and he worked on one of the Iron Man movies. Really? Yeah. <laughs> when was this? I forget. But he said that those shots that they do of inside the mask. Yeah. They do all of those at once because they have right. to put Robert Downey Jr. in this like sling isn't the right word contraption. Yeah. A rig um, of some kind. Yeah. Like a rig of some kind. Mm-hmm. And so they just have the dialogue for that. Right. Um, done because mostly what he's just doing is dialogue and like moving his eyes wildly around. Right. Yeah. And so they just shoot all of them just in like a day because mm-hmm. they don't need mm-hmm. anybody else around and they right. can just sort of. There's no reason to do to do it live with the other stuff. Yeah, that makes total <laughs> and, sense. And so he on the set the one day I think I'm remembering this correctly was I think dropped dropped something when they were re- like actually recording. Right. Something. I hesitate to say what exactly, but something like a cup full of almonds. Something <laughs> uh-huh. that went like... Yeah, And so he, like, and then somebody just was like, you know, on the, who the fuck was that? On the, like, little walkie-talkies they all have, or, like, headpieces, or I don't know how movies work. And, uh, you know, our friend 
Mike just went beet red and not yeah. happy. And yeah. yeah. So was, yes, I do actually know about this. What was he doing? Do you know, was he a uh, production assistant or? Uh, I don't know. He was, yeah. He was on the set. Yeah. Yeah. He was holding a cup of almonds. He was working. Or something. <laughs> he or had, something. Yeah. I know for a while he really wanted, um, he just really wanted to work in movies for a very long time. And yeah. um, I think was not able or willing to dedicate the sort of grind you need to do to be able to do that and so he stopped okay yeah and now he's an editor well i mean he's got at least one very cool story out of it yes i would love to have a story like that as a dream come true (laughs) a dream come true you embarrass yourself instead of robert downey jr yeah (laughs) in theory a dream come true in practice turned into a nightmare Uh so uh let's go through some more of these movies uh also in 2008 uh the incredible hulk came out and you mentioned this one earlier this mm-hmm. is the one where edward norton plays bruce banner interestingly it is not an origin story for the hulk we don't see him become the hulk i uh, like i said earlier i've never seen the movie called hulk directed by mm-hmm. ang lee but I remember hearing my cousin say at the time that you could watch the Edward Norton movie and think that it's a sequel to that movie because mm-hmm. there's no origin story. It just picks up. He has already gone through the botched experiment that turned him into the Incredible Hulk. This is the only uh, movie where Edward Norton plays this role. As you said later, it is uh, picked up by Mark Ruffalo in other movies, but not Hulk movies because there hasn't been another one since. Mm -hmm. I guess maybe, who knows? Maybe it wasn't as successful. I don't don't have the box office in front of me. I'm not going to delve into that. Uh, Maybe it was uh, creative reasons uh, that they haven't come up with that story yet. A little bit disappointing for me. But And while we're talking about disappointments and the Hulk, This particular movie has what I consider to be this universe's uh, biggest, longest dangling thread Mm -hmm. that has not been picked up in any future movies. And it's this character uh, who's called the leader in the comic books. This is an example of something that I had no idea about when I saw the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Then I saw the movie and then I went online and I read people talking about this is a reference. That's a reference. This person is from the comic book. This person mm-hmm. is made up for the movie, blah, 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 blah. I like to do that type of reading. I'm interested in that type of stuff. There's a character. Have you seen this movie? Yes. A ve- I saw this movie in theaters. So. Right. A long time ago. <laughs> yes. I believe I saw it in theaters too. I don't really remember though. There's, I also really like Ed Norton, as evidenced right. by the fact that I call him Ed, like he is my friend. Right. Yeah, Ed Norton. He's everyone's friend. Edward Norton was someone to me, unlike Robert Downey Jr. When mm-hmm. Iron Man came along, Edward Norton, to me, was the guy from Fight Club. And that's exciting. Oh, for me, he was the guy from American History X. <laughs> I've never seen it. Oh, it's real depressing. hmm So... I was excited for that. Someone I know is going to play a superhero. Mm-hmm. There's this character 
uh, I'm going to do a mediocre job of remembering how this plays out in the movie, but the Hulk and his love interest go to some other scientist's lab to get his help. And I think they're doing some kind of experiment to, I don't know, study the Hulk or try to get the Hulk out of him or whatever. And when they're doing the experiment, you know, everything goes wrong. The people from the government who are chasing them, they catch up with them. Uh, it's chaos. There's probably some explosions. They have to run away. The scientist man who whose help they sought is left behind. And there's a shot where, the way I remember it, he's sort of lying there and some scientific juice of some kind, like, drips into, I don't know, an open wound on his head or something oh, like that. Oh, yes, I remember that, yeah. You start to see his flesh kind of transform in a weird way, and he seems really happy about it. He's, like, smiling. And that's the last we ever see of that character in that movie or any other yes. movie. Yes, I do remember that character. I remember yeah. thinking, oh, this is going to come up later. It hasn't, apparently. It has not. Uh, as far as I know, I don't think that it has even come up uh, in any of the, like, spinoffs, um, you know, the, the non-movie things that are in this mm -hmm. universe. Um, but I have to confess, I haven't watched everything in this universe i've watched all 20 movies so far i will mm -hmm. watch all of the future films that come out later but this universe also includes um some tv series uh and some shorts that they made for the blu-rays i haven't seen them all anyway i think they should bring back the leader i think that they should make another hulk movie and i think that they should bring back that character yeah i'll, I'll look at mark ruffalo all day so that gets into what I skipped over in our discussion of Iron Man, which is the excitement of continuity between these movies. Mm -hmm. Iron Man ends. He's Tony Stark is holding a press conference. He's supposed to tell the world that Iron Man is his bodyguard. And instead he says, I am Iron Man. Movie ends. Credits roll. But the movie's not over. Oh, no. Oh, no, baby. Because he goes back to his penthouse that night to drink. And who's there but Samuel L. Jackson dressed in a long black jacket with an eye patch saying, I want to talk to you about something called the Avengers oh, no. Initiative. And holy crap. The whole blueprint is set for the sequels for the future of these movies. So that was, I mean, you know, I had never seen anything like that in a movie mm -hmm. before. That was yeah. mind blowing to 18 year old me. That was, you know, they're doing what in, in a movie They're, I had, you know, I had seen movies set up sequels before, but, this was taking that concept to a whole new level. Well, it also makes you feel like it makes you feel like you're um, you're you've discovered a secret, right? Right. Yeah. Even though everyone has discovered the secret. Right. 
Yes, that is what it's like to get a reference. Uh, Mm -hmm. And what I love about these movies and other media like this uh, that, you know, cares about continuity is uh, you are rewarded for paying attention. Mm -hmm. Which is something that you and I really like to do is pay attention. Right. To pay attention and to like connect these dots uh, in your Mm -hmm. head where, you know, they kind of connect them for you, but they kind of just drop them in and they kind of, you know, half draw the line between them and you fill in the rest and you feel smart for doing it. Do you, when you were a kid, would your parents explain references? Think to, I mean, not not in the mm-hmm. sense of like continuity, but like if you were watching Sesame Street or something, yeah. uh, I'm choosing that because I now watch a fair amount of Sesame Street um, right. because I have a child who loves Grover. Um, yeah. Would your parents explain to you like, I just remember my mom being like, oh, this is referencing this and this is from this and mm. that's what the joke is. Right. And me being like, oh, God, I wish I had the actual context for this besides what you yeah. just told me. Right. Uh, I don't think that my parents made a common practice of doing that. But, uh, yes, I think I had that experience growing up. I think I think that that's a real part of this. Something mm-hmm. that I like about this and something that is a little bit overwhelming to me is that I like these movies, clearly, because right. I watch them and I watch them with my husband and they're very interesting. Yeah. I have not um delved into the full extent of them as you have or many other people have partially mm-hmm. because it's so overwhelming i think because if i want to do it i want to do it right yes and i like being able to get references like that yeah and so um yeah i also just spend not with this but with other things a very long amount of time reading uh specific wikipedia's right about universes like this. I think, yes. yeah, to get that feeling, to get that feeling of like, I've cracked the code. You know what I've done that with? Uh, the activity of reading a Wikipedia to learn the story. I've done that with the Saw movies. Oh, God. Those movies make me feel so bad. Yes. And they are bad. I think that's the point. <laughs> yes. And and uh, they should not exist. And I wish that they didn't. But <laughs> they do interesting narrative things mm-hmm. and I don't want to watch the movies but they made me interested in what they were doing mm-hmm. and so I've read the Wikipedias and by reading the Wikipedias I've learned things like spoiler alert the twist at the end of Saw 4 mm-hmm. is is that it was all happening at the same time as Saw 3 Oh right, right. I I've heard that. They, yeah, like, Kenny meet told in me the that. Middle somewhere. So like, yeah, that's interesting to me. That's like, okay, it's an a, interesting what a, narrative. Yeah, thing. What, what a cool thing that they're doing to you know in the service of something like really gross and horrible. So with these Marvel movies, you get that experience, but also they're fun movies. Mm-hmm. It's fun to watch the big guys fly around and punch each other. To paraphrase uh, things that I've seen people say on Twitter and and Letterboxd. Mm -hmm. So that was 2008. (laughs) In 2009, uh, none of these movies came out. But something very important happened, which was Disney bought Marvel Entertainment. Oh. Yes. 
So uh, at least I I apologize. I'm I'm actually I'm I'm thinking back and I'm not sure if I have a false memory or or if I'm reporting something badly. <laughs> I, I, my memory that might be false is I remember being in high school and hearing that Disney bought Marvel. But then it would have had to be earlier than 2009. Mm -hmm. um, but that might be a false memory. I really think it's true that a couple of these movies came out and then Disney bought it. Mm -hmm. And then the train was really rolling in a like this is an unstoppable juggernaut kind mm -hmm. of direction. Now, the movies that followed immediately uh, might not make you think that this was an unstoppable juggernaut. Between <laughs> Iron Man and the Avengers, it's a little rocky. Mm -hmm. In 2010, you get one movie. It's Iron Man 2. Mm -hmm. uh, seems a little bit premature uh, in hindsight that the third one of these movies is a sequel to the first one mm -hmm. when there are so many other characters to introduce, but that's what happened. And, uh, it's not very well remembered or regarded. Um, the villain is just one of the worst examples of like scraping the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> but when I think about it, and this is with my limited Marvel Comics knowledge. The the barrel is not very deep and it's not very full. Mm -hmm. I can't name a lot of Marvel villains the way that I can name the heroes. Mm -hmm. And when I think of comic book villains in general, Batman has all of the good ones. Like yeah, all if, of them. All of them, 100%. I was if, a Batman villain for Halloween. If you asked me to name my top five villains... In comic books in general, maybe anything of all time, all five would be Batman villains. Like mm -hmm. if if just for, you know, how memorable they are and how well known they are. Mm -hmm. Batman has 10, at least 10 different villains that you would name before you named a single Marvel villain. If I can't were... think of a single Marvel villain yeah. right now. And right. we're talking about it. Yeah. Bad news. But. Uh, now let's get into 2011. Mm -hmm. uh, and the best example of a villain, or at least the most memorable, because they keep bringing him back. Uh, in 2011, we got Thor. Right. Mm -hmm. Loki is Thor's brother. He's the villain. And he would become the villain in the Avengers as well. And they keep bringing him back. That's so funny. I guess you're right. I know Loki, but I yes. guess I don't think of him as a villain because he's sometimes a right. friend. Yes. He went from villain to sort of friend he's mm -hmm. one of those and the reason why he is a memorable villain well there are a few reasons one is tom hiddleston i think he's great oh amazing but also he is like the sly trickster villain right who uses mm -hmm. his wits uh he's not like many of the villains just a bigger brawnier version of the hero mm -hmm. in the first iron man uh, Jeff Bridges gets his own bigger Iron Man suit. He becomes Iron Monger. Iron, right. Man, Iron Man has to fight a bigger Iron Man. In The mm -hmm. Incredible Hulk, uh, there's a guy who uh, turns into uh, what's called the Abomination, mm -hmm. 
which I joke that his name is Abomination because uh, he's just like Hulk, except uh, he's he doesn't wear pants. <laughs> so Hulk, in the end, Hulk has to fight a bigger Hulk. So mm-hmm. not very interesting. Um, in Thor, uh, Loki is a character who you sympathize with. You get to see him... Uh, have a strained relationship with his family and like learn a secret about himself and you get to see him like plot and uh, trick and deceive and it's all much more interesting it's it's almost shakespearean if i may dare uh, make that leap and uh, absolutely perhaps not such a big leap if you remember the fact that thor was directed by uh kenneth branagh mm-hmm directed hamlet and uh, other shakespearean things so that was kind of in so so edward norton was the first one of these actors for me to go oh i know who that is prior to this movie kenneth branagh was the first one of these directors for me to be like oh i know who that director is prior Mm. to him directing this movie so kind of a good get for disney marvel also in 2011 we get captain america the first Avenger. It's the first one of these movies to have a subtitle, which is interesting <laughs> because it's not a sequel. Yeah. And also because I would argue he's not the first Avenger. He's just the oldest Avenger. <laughs> but so so it's this true. movie. It's, it's true because when they bring him back, he's like, they're already there. They're like, yeah. hey, dude. When he shows up in the present day, he's like, it's like, oh, will you join the Avengers? Yeah. Because the Avengers already exist. He existed prior to the Avengers, but that doesn't make him the first Avenger. It just makes yeah. him the oldest one. In some ways, it makes him maybe the last Avenger. Yes. That's also a very, very loose joke to the last Airbender and how oh, Aang was in an I ice see. cube for 100 years. Yes, but then Red Skull <laughs> attacked and everything changed. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, we get to see Chris Evans um, made digitally scrawny. Mm-hmm. And then he goes into a machine and he becomes super buff dude. And he fights Nazis. And uh, another exciting uh, actor to be in one of these movies is Hugo Weaving plays mm-hmm. Red Skull. That was exciting for me because Hugo Weaving was Agent Smith in the Matrix movies and he was V in V for Vendetta. So Mm -hmm. I know who this is. What a great, great actor to play a villain in one of these movies. Probably the biggest disappointment of any, you know, of any like expectations set and then dashed. One of the biggest disappointments. It's, I would argue... um, I have ranked all these movies. This one is at the very bottom for me. Mm-hmm. I think that this is the lowest low point uh, in the series. Wait, you think this is lower than Ed Norton Hulk? I didn't like Ed Norton Hulk, even though I love Ed Norton. Um, yes, Ed Norton Hulk has um, better action. It has like horror movie elements where okay. you get to sort of see what it's like to be attacked by the Hulk from the perspective of like a normal guy. <laughs> a a small person yeah and it's like it's it's almost more of a monster movie than a superhero movie and Uh it it works in that respect 
and I think Edward Norton is good. Um, the Captain America movie, the emotions hinge on his relationships with people who are not, they're not three-dimensional characters. They're, they're just like cutouts. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to care when he loses his best friend, but when he loses his best friend, his best friend just kind of like falls out of a moving train and off a bridge and it, it looks weird. Like it looks goofy Mm -hmm. and it's just not a character that I cared about at that point. And then, and then the end of the movie, well, actually the end end is when he crashes the plane and gets frozen. Yeah. And that's good. I like the relationship that he has with the love interest, but Mm -hmm. the villain, when he faces the villain and then the villain is just sort of, he's Red Skull doesn't really die. Mm -hmm. He's just sort of absorbed into the cosmos (laughs) And I think that it's very anticlimactic. And maybe that's mm-hmm. because it's not the true climax. The true climax is, you know, telling Peggy Carter that they're going to have a dance and then, you know, sacrificing himself. But um, it was not a good um, showdown between hero and villain. And that, that was a real letdown to me. So I suppose also it's a sort of a weird thing because clearly you can build emotional resonance within the span of a movie, right? Right. Mm-hmm. But that said, we're not looking at the span of a movie for most of these movies. Right, exactly. And so we know when we're watching this movie that everyone is going to die. Maybe not. Yeah. They aren't all going to necessarily be dead by the time Captain shows up, America shows up again. Right. But they're all going to be in a completely different place in their life than him. Right. And so, yes, less uh, yeah. less space, I think, than mm-hmm. we're given for other characters. Yeah, these movies, they've kind of given me and maybe other audiences like a new way of thinking about movies like Mm -hmm. i have had to consider the question um and maybe uh, this is sort of a pointless question but i i've thought to myself how much of a responsibility does a sequel have to let in viewers who haven't seen what came before it Right, yeah. Because it's a sequel, and so it seems like the rules ought to be different. The expectations mm-hmm. ought to be different. But as a you know, as someone writing such a movie, like, is it is it fair to expect that, like, okay, I can write this in a way where I assume that anyone watching this knows who these characters are, knows what the world is because they saw the first one? Or do you have some kind of a responsibility to like, it's a sequel, but sure, it's still a movie and it should be a good movie. And Mm -hmm. so it should stand on its own. And so it should do its own world building and its own introduction to the characters and its own, you know, you could watch it in isolation and still enjoy it for what it is. I don't, I haven't come up with an answer to that question, but the fact that these movies all stand on each other's shoulders and what you see in the third Thor movie Mm -hmm. is not just impacted by the first two Thor movies, but it's also impacted by the Incredible Hulk movie and 
both Avengers movies that came before that, etc. It's a lot to ask of an audience to assume that they've seen everything leading up to this. So mm-hmm. the assumption, I think, would have to be, okay, you have to let in new viewers as well. Mm-hmm. But is that doing a disservice to people who don't need a kind of exposition, a kind of like, here's a little voiceover that tells you that like Thor is the god of thunder or whatever. Yeah. <sighs> it's exhausting to think about. It's, it's yeah, I know that. So I just recently saw Thor um, Ragnarok. Ragnarok. Yeah. Um, yeah. And by three. recently, there there's, of course, a sad story that goes along with this, which is that we were in a viewing of Thor Ragnarok at the movie theater uh, yes. one year ago in two weeks. Um, mm-hmm. And we moved. We moved from the theater we were in to a different theater. This is Kenny and um, and some of my husband and some of our friends. We right. moved to a different theater. It was a uh, date night because my mother-in-law was uh, there watching mm-hmm. Elliot, uh, yeah. our son. And um, we were moved because the projector was not working in the first theater. Right. And so in the second theater, we were sitting there and my husband came over. And that was when he had gotten the call that his father, my father-in-law, had had a stroke, which yeah. he ended up dying from. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, or, you know, dying from being, you know being in a coma, blah, blah, blah. Yes. And so this movie, I uh, had what went into knowing that I had not seen whatever set of movies had come before it. I had not seen um, Winter Soldier, I believe, came before that. True. I had not seen that. I had also only seen one of the two Thor movies. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. At that point, I had seen the Avengers, uh, whatever had been out of the Avengers, I had seen those. Okay. Um, And so I remember thinking, God, I hope I understand what's happening in this movie because I don't understand how uh, the Hulk is in this movie necessarily in the stadium because that was the whole joke of the trailer was that, uh, you know, he goes into the stadium and... Mm -hmm. What and then the Hulk's there and he's like, I know this guy and it's like, ha ha ha. From work, yeah, from work, yeah. Um, and so yeah, I I watched that and I think that I think that there's something really interesting that Marvel's doing here, which is that because so much of the comedy, which I think is comedy that oftentimes does exist in the comics, um, mm-hmm. from what I can tell of what I've read, um, oh, yeah. which is you know again not very much, but more mm-hmm. than more than I'm realizing as I'm talking to uh-huh. you, yeah. Um, is that there's so much jokiness that I feel like someone like me or even someone like my mother-in-law who is not going to put the time in to learn all of this yeah. um, can watch it and laugh and follow the storyline. But I think that all those little references let someone like you mm-hmm. feel really smart. Yes. And so I think that I, – I mean, I think that they have – I mean, maybe not answered the question totally and definitely not answered the question of what a sequel in general is to do. But I think that they have done something really interesting here as I've been hearing you talk about this Mm -hmm. now within the scope. I'm thinking, right, they're doing both, right? They have these big names so that people recognize the people playing these characters. Right. They have um, this jokey demeanor a lot of the time. Right. And then 
the plot is easy enough to follow, but then mm-hmm. there's all of these references in, in between. And so yes. if you want to follow along mm-hmm. among everything else, you can, and you can feel really smart and good about yourself. Right. But if you're some, some Joe Schmo off the street, you're also good to go too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's part of the magic of these movies to me. You mentioned the sense of humor uh, in all of these movies. And I just want to go back to 2008 for a moment because yeah. I think it's important to note that, yeah, all of these movies are funny or at least attempting to be funny. Yeah. They all have one-liners. They all have uh, witty dialogue from some character or another. And I think that all, that all goes back to Iron Man was the first one of these. It set the tone for all of them. Mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. playing the role of Tony Stark being so charming, so quippy, just always talking, talking motor mouth, uh, really set the tone for like, okay, these movies have to be funny. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, a second path diverged in the wood because, again, that same year, The Dark Knight came out. Yeah. And The Dark Knight, what's special about The Dark Knight is the Joker. And obviously, he's the Joker. He's very funny, but uh, very dark comedy right Mm -hmm. very you know part of the punchline of a joke is killing someone Mm -hmm. Uh, and so that very much you know what christopher nolan did with batman obviously it started with batman begins and that was before Mm -hmm. the dark knight but the dark knight made a much bigger splash than batman begins and part of the reason was because heath ledger died but Mm -hmm. still i think people would have really latched onto that movie even if Heath Ledger had survived playing that role. Uh, Christopher Nolan very much set the tone for what DC would try to do with their movies from there on out, Mm -hmm. which was uh, make it dark, right? Mm -hmm. You know, to gritty, gritty, exactly. Dark and gritty to the extent that there is humor in those DC movies. uh, A lot of the, times i think that it is a reaction to what marvel is doing Mm. they see marvel movies being very successful and they're always about three steps behind trying to copy them uh because light and funny and you know fun for the whole family is is clearly not their motto from the start their motto from Mm -hmm. the start was try to do what christopher nolan did which was you know, ground these characters in a sort of dark, gray, somber, serious reality mm-hmm. and take them very seriously and make it edgy, right? You know, it's edgy that the that the Joker, you know, comes in and, and when he tells a joke, he, you know, kills someone with a pencil. Well, and also, I mean, to be fair to Batman movies, yes. uh, to be fair to Christopher Nolan, Batman mm-hmm. movies really were jokey before. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah, so, totally. and so, uh, and that worked sort of well. Yeah. Sort of didn't. I don't know how successful those movies were. I mean, clearly I successful think, that they kept making them, but. I think the Tim Burton made two of them and they were successful. And then Joel Schumacher made two of them and, and, uh, you know, killed it. Yeah. So I can see why Christopher Nolan would have to be like, no, like. Right. Batman has to be this morally Mm -hmm. ambiguous character with morally ambiguous villains in a literal gray city (laughs) yes and the reason why the rest of the justice league movies 
uh, fail, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. is because you can't take that principle from Batman and apply it to Superman and Wonder Woman and Aquaman Mm -hmm. because those are fantastical superhuman characters. Whereas you can take Batman and you can take not all of his villains, but a lot of his villains Mm -hmm. and do a version of them where everyone is a human being with some resources that make what they do possible rather than superpowers. Mm -hmm. And so you can make it gritty because you can ground it in the real world. As opposed to, you know, Superman can fly, blah, blah, blah. He's an alien. Weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so what Marvel is doing, it's very fun. It's very colorful. All the movies are funny, or at least they try to have some comedy in them. And that's They're also bright. Yeah. And that's, and that's also what I love about them is that I think that every one of these movies is really funny. Really, at least pretty funny. Mm-hmm. I get a good chuckle or mm-hmm. a good laugh out loud from from all of these movies. So looking at the time, I would be so happy to talk for three hours about yeah. this subject. But yeah. looking at the time, I'm going to say that where my plan was to talk about this universe from 2008 up to now, mm-hmm. instead, this is going to be the phase one episode. Okay. And I'll cover phase two and phase three uh, in the future. Not, maybe the more distant future. We'll see. Okay. So, um, are you familiar with uh, the uh, terminology of phase one, phase two, and phase three? I mean, I clearly you're thinking of something more than um, just the fact that you're numbering periods of time. <laughs> right. Yes. This is this is not my denomination. This is Marvel Studios' denomination. Oh! 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 <laughs> oh! I'm not talking about the podcast. If that's oh. what you thought. I understand. Okay, no, yeah, continue. I'm talking about these movies. Yes. Uh, phase one is everything from Iron Man in 2008 to the Avengers in 2012. Great. And then phase two kicked off with Iron Man 3 and mm-hmm. goes up to Ant-Man. Okay. That's another six movies. Phase one uh-huh. is six movies. Phase two is another six movies. Phase three kicks off with Captain America Civil War in... Mm-hmm. 2016 and it's still going on it will end with the fourth avengers movie next summer mm-hmm. and that's going to be a total of 10 movies yeah uh so we will just talk about uh phase one and so that brings us to 2012 um so phase one basically saw me through college yeah from freshman year to senior year. The Avengers comes out in 2012, and now we get into the Joss Whedon of it all. Mm-hmm. So this is a nice full circle moment, right? Because I yeah. said when I was like 13, probably the first comic that I bought myself and read was Joss Whedon's Astonishing X-Men, and it was because I was such a, a Buffy fan. So in maybe like a year prior to the Avengers coming out, maybe more the news broke that Joss Whedon was going to write and direct the Avengers. Mm -hmm. 
by this time, uh, anyone who was following his career had reason to be skeptical because everything that he makes uh, dies gets, gets canceled. And, Except Buffy, of course, but... Right, yes. Uh, I was using a little hyperbole. Not literally everything, but... No, but no, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. The, the, and I think that the shining exception to that is Buffy slash right. Angel. Right, exactly. Yeah. So not only did he have a reputation for creating TV series that get canceled, but also mm-hmm. it was public knowledge that Warner Brothers, uh, who uh, do the DC movies... They had hired him to uh, helm a Wonder Woman movie. Mm -hmm. And he wrote a script and he was fired. Mm -hmm. So the news comes out afterwards that Marvel has hired Joss Whedon to helm the Avengers. Well, is that really going to come to fruition? We were all thinking. We were like, okay, let's not get our hopes up. And then sure enough, it did come to fruition. Now... Is it aging well? No. <laughs> 2018 now. We all know some things about Joss Whedon that we wish we didn't. Yeah, we just wish we could forget. Yeah, he's uh, uh, not a hero to me anymore. And I wish that I could say it was totally surprising, but he always seemed a little smug. Yeah. So we can't celebrate the Avengers in the same way that I absolutely celebrated it when it came out in 2012. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. I, I've i never had such a joyful theater-going experience since. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw it with my girlfriend and some other college friends, and I was just gripping her arm and, you know, I could, yeah, I could have jumped out of my seat. I was in heaven. I was in heaven. I remember in particular, there was, there's one moment where, um, the Hulk has become the Hulk on board the helicarrier. Uh huh. So all hell is breaking loose. And there's some army guy who gets into a jet and he takes off on the jet and the Hulk jumps onto the jet. And the Hulk just starts tearing the jet apart yeah. in the air. So the guy goes to pull the lever to eject himself. And he does. And he gets ejected out of the jet. And the Hulk catches him in the air <laughs> yep. before he can fly away. And then, having caught him, just throws him. <laughs> That's incredible. Well- that's... Well, and this movie also gave me the my favorite line, I think, of any of these movies that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Can you guess what this is? It's Hulk-related. Um, is it when he tells Captain America his secret? He says, I'm always angry? Yes. That is... It's so... Oh, my God. The thing about that moment is... They're already, they're standing either right or before or right after. They're standing in the circle right. and the camera's doing this like pan around yes. them. And it's one of those moments where, um, it's you know, everything, shot. everything is coming to fruition. Yeah. Right. This is the moment. This mm-hmm. is the hero shot. And he says, you know, you know, what, you know, what's my secret? I'm always angry. But then just like 
I just I remember thinking of like Animorphs. Did you ever read Animorphs? No, but I'm familiar. <laughs> I just he just sort of beautifully transitions into the Hulk. It's yes. not vi- it's not violent. It I mean, clearly he's good. about to be violent, but like it's yes. not doesn't look painful. It just right. looks really controlled. And I just remember being in the theater and going, "Yeah!" Like, yeah, <laughs> like Howard, Howard Dean, like, yeah-ing. <laughs> We're gonna go to Washington. Yeah. <laughs> uh, God, remember when that used to get somebody out of the running? Um, yeah. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I I get that. That that movie was good. Yeah, and what's special about that movie, I think, is it is just chock full of character moments like that one. Like that mm-hmm. that is that's a character based moment where, yeah, you just have this great bit of dialogue, and it's not about. Um, the action, it's not about the spectacle. Like, that movie has great action and it's a huge spectacle. But what I loved about it was uh, it had that, you know, in hindsight, maybe it's a little too Whedon-y. Maybe it's a little mm-hmm. too clever at times. But it's full of that dialogue that makes you go, oh, it's so special uh, to see these characters interact and they sound just the way that they should sound and they bounce off of each other the way that they should. There's friction between some of them. And mm. when you see Tony Stark and Bruce Banner meet for the first time, it's like, oh, they're both geniuses and they like mm-hmm. immediately like strike up a friendship. It's a very, you know, just a handling of the characters that was very uh, important uh, and remarkable to me. Uh, and uh, yeah, I don't think that that movie is aging super well, um, but uh it was yeah just the height of joy at the cinema uh, mm-hmm. when it was when it came out well and i also for the note stu- for a note stupidly didn't realize because again this is something that like kenny's sort of more aware of than i am i'm sort of along for the ride clearly i've been able to speak about it with some amount of information mm-hmm. um but i was like at the time like oh this is the avengers movie we're we're done <laughs> Yeah, it, right. Like we exactly. made it. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, and that's why they call it Phase Two. Uh-huh. Uh huh. At the end of uh, the Avengers, uh, we get our first peek at Thanos, mm-hmm. who at the at the time I assumed was going to be the villain in the second Avengers movie, and I was wrong. It turns out uh-huh. they were setting up uh, an even longer play. Uh, and uh, really planning ahead in a way that is uh, remarkable. It's like it's like counting your chickens before they hatch, and then they all hatch exactly how you meant them to. Or like counting your chickens before they hatch, and some of them are twins. Right. Yeah. Some yeah, remarkable eggs. <laughs> so. Uh, let's see. Is there anything else that I need to say about any of these six movies? Uh, I think, uh, I'll leave it there. And just while I'm pondering the question of whether there are any last remarks that I want to make, do you want to, um, close out the show by explaining the tagline that everyone heard at the very beginning? Yes. Uh, we'll explain everything to the geese. Would you explain explaining everything to the geese, to the goslings, please? To the goslings, our little goslings. So um, when Will and I are both big fans of The National, mm-hmm. um, 
I thanks started to listening- you, by the way. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I had never heard of them before I met you. Yeah. Oh, Will, I didn't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like this happens occasionally where, like, <laughs> you really mean something to me or I really mean mm. something to you, and I didn't realize, and then yeah. I, I do realize, and I, I just cry. <laughs> but, yeah, so I first heard of the National – now I know how you heard from me. Um, I had a pen pal named Adrian uh, in high school who was Canadian and also 10 years older than me who wrote poems um, on Diaryland, and uh, we would send each other these – these emails just these like i mean i look back and i think that was totally inappropriate but i don't think it was i just think that the um i think that me as an adult knows that it seems really inappropriate does that make sense yes but like it was never like we were never going to meet each other we weren't like trading like naked pictures we were just like i was like explaining to him how i was like going through emotions and feeling things and like trying to find meaning in the world and he was responding in kind but from 10 years in the future because he was older than me not mm-hmm. actually the future and uh time travel did not exist um but at one of the emails he sent me these like just these oh my gosh we just were so dramatic he sent me this email that just said find an album by the national called alligator and listen to it mm-hmm. and I, I have this email still nice. um and so I I had been listening to them, and they, on their uh, album High Violet, mm-hmm. the last song on High Violet is called Vanderlyle, Vanderlyle Crybaby Geeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, Matt, oh gosh, I can never say his last name, Bert, Burning, Burninger, Burn, Burninger, Burn, Burninger. How do you know how to say it? No. <laughs> Matt B. <laughs> yeah, Matt B. Matty B. He's... um sort of famously known for not mumbling, but s- mm-hmm. singing in a way where people mishear his lyrics. Cause this has happened to me more than on this, this occasion. Yeah. There's another one where he sings, um, uh, cover me in ragged bones and sympathy. And I thought he was saying dragon bones. Sure. Yeah. Um, he, there's he- another lyric where he says, I, I sold my heart to the army. And I thought, still think it's Amish. <laughs> sold my heart to the Amish is the only sentimental thing I can think of. And this song is famously people have misheard this lyrics. It's right. uh he sings, I'll explain everything to the geeks, which makes geeks. sense. Geeks. With a K uh, in there. Yes, which makes sense because the title of the song is Vanderlyle Crybaby Geeks. Right. Um But right before that he sings, um uh oh, what's the first part of that line? It's Vandalow, cry, baby, cry. Oh, the water's rising. Still no surprise in you. Vandalow, cry, baby, cry. Uh, uh, this is the line I can't think of. Cry, baby, cry. Uh, still no for, still the, no forgiven. Swans are a swans are a swimming. Swans are a swimming. And the swans, the swans really throw you off. They put waterfowl in your head. And so when he says, I'll explain everything, everything to, to the, the geese. geese. <laughs> yeah. And and also, it doesn't help their case that they already had another song in their catalog uh, with geese in the name. Geese, what? Of, geese of Beverly oh, Road. Right. The geese of Beverly Road. Yeah. yeah. They, they so just like, like oh, waterfowl. Yeah. They must love singing about geese. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
so we are taking that. We're stealing that from there, mm-hmm. from them. And uh, I just want to say that I'm not the only person who has misheard this. Sure. Uh, if you Google, I'll explain everything to the geese, you'll get a couple of different people saying, I just learned it was geeks mm-hmm. <laughs> on Tumblr, Tumblr and other other uh, blogging platforms and, and websites. But um, if by the time you're hearing this, listener, if you Google that, you're going to get the smug buds. We hope. We hope <laughs> our SEO is that yeah. good. <laughs> You're an SEO expert, right, Liz? Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> I know all the search and terms. Actually, I actually recently um, uh, sat in on a, a web webinar about um, mm. writing copy and uh, learned that SEO is out of vogue now. What? Um. Basically, I mean, I don't deal with this on a daily basis, and this was not the majority of this webinar. Um, mm-hmm. So it was interesting that I stumbled upon this fact. But um, apparently, search engines have gotten to the point where SEO, you can't trick them. The mm-hmm. whole point of search engine optimization, SEO, right. was that you were trying to put keywords into your websites so that people would find you over either over other people like competitors or right. just in general to get the best information. Yeah. And basically search engines have gotten smarter. You don't need to do that mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. Is what this webinar person was claiming. Oh, well, that makes sense, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. Well, we'll have to find some other way. Yeah. To get maybe, on your Google results. A, maybe just do a good job is what I want to believe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, Google is like a meritocracy, right? Yeah. And so is the internet in general and also the life. The internet in general? Yeah. Yeah. I know life to be a meritocracy because everything that I have, I earn through hard work. <laughs> and uh, when I said privilege before, that was a joke. <laughs> uh, well, is your name Googleable? Like, are you the person that comes up? Yeah, I think so. I'm the only Elizabeth Deanna Morris Lakes in the world well, yeah, as far as but, I know. I mean... <laughs> but I did that on purpose, Will. Yeah. Right. And there's a reason that my son's name isn't Morris. It's because Lakes is very uncommon. Uh-huh. And so if you Google Elliot Lakes, mm-hmm. you don't get anything at all, right. except mm-hmm. you get something about N. Elliot Lake. Okay. Which, but, is, so, which is, is that a lake or a person? It's a lake. Okay. It's well, a body of water. That's ideal for you. Yes. Um, and so, you know, I've given him the gift of, of, being Googleable, that or is, the curse. Yeah, that well, that yeah, that is a wonderful gift, and and I kind of have, um, I have a generic first name that's very common, but also I have a last name uh, that uh, is uncommon enough that no one pronounces it correctly the first time they see it. <laughs> How, did I say it right? The first time we met, Hoffacker. Am I, I saying it right now? Yeah, you said it right just then. <laughs> I have no memory in particular of you trying to say it when we first met. So good. So I didn't particularly butcher it. No. Yeah. You d- you didn't leave an impression the way that my uh, high school art teacher did when she said Hoffenbacher. Nope. When she saw my name. <laughs> too on too a many. Piece of paper. Too many. Yeah. In fairness, that might have been uh, an indictment of my handwriting as much as mm-hmm. the name itself. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, this episode is uh, longer than I intended any episode to be. So uh, let's wrap it up by saying uh, that was my coverage of phase one 
of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And uh, somewhere down the line, we'll talk about Phase 2 and 3. If I have not, um, you know, humiliated myself uh, being, uh, you know, boring about this topic. I'll I'll decide for myself. I'm not fishing for anything when I say that. I'm just saying (laughs) I have to listen back to this. And when I do, uh, I might hang my head in shame. So... Sounds good. Who knows what the future holds (laughs) for the smug buds? Stay tuned to find out, right? Yes. Though next week, it's my turn, right? That's right. We're going to take turns. Next week, you're up, and I'm back in the listener's chair. Oh, and it's going to be real exciting next week. I can't wait. I love not having the responsibility of uh, carrying the conversation. (laughs) Well... Our little goslings, we'll see you next week for mm-hmm. your next episode of Smug Buds, which I can tell you right now will have nothing to do with comic books. Hooray. <laughs> Thank you, Liz. Thanks, Will. Bye, everybody. Will is on Twitter and Letterboxd at youngest of one, and his website is williamhoffacker.com. You can find Liz at exclamate on Instagram, at exclamate underscore on Twitter, or on her website, ElizabethDeannaMorrisLakes.com. Our website is SmugBuds.com, and the podcast is at SmugBuds on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs>